Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif. And if you're just listening to this podcast for the first time, it covers lifestyle, manifestation, travel, and business. Today's episode is going to be all about travel. But before I dive into that, I wanted to talk about my new offering around podcast coaching and services. So what I realized is I've been doing this for two years, okay? When I started, I had so much trouble figuring out what platform to host on, what microphone to get, how do I reach out to guests, how do I do show notes, how do I even look at my analytics, like all these things I basically asked Facebook groups, I YouTubed, I Googled. It actually took me quite a long time to even figure all of it out, and each episode I learned something new. So instead of you guys taking two years to figure it all out, I figured why not just come to me with my network that I have. I know editors, I know branding people, I know sound audio mixers, like everything you could ever need right at my fingertips that easily can help you guys out. So instead of you, again, going and Googling and taking an e-course and book and whatever the hell else, there's a million things to do now, just come to me. It's a one-stop shop. Not only that, outside of the basics like editing, but if you're just like, hey, I have this idea and I'm just not even sure about it, or I really think that I want to do this, but I think the market's saturated. I'm not like so sure that I even have this message that's really unique. Let me know because what's interesting that everyone thinks is that the market's saturated. That's not true. Like you guys listening to my podcast now, you could go listen to 40 other podcasts that talk about travel, right? You could listen to a hundred million others that talk about business or wellness or manifestation. The reason you're tuning in is either because you like how I tell stories, you like what I have to say, you like what I'm covering, right? So when you're thinking about starting a podcast, what is it that you can offer in your own unique voice? And that's something that I can help you out with. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, you again, it doesn't need to be a full blown out idea yet. I can help you with that. Or maybe you have the idea, you know what you want to talk about, but you're like, I really don't know how to edit. I don't know how to get it out there. I want to monetize. I'm not too sure. Let me know. You can either DM me, which is at non-expert opinion pod or at Chelsea Rife, or write into the podcast. Hello at in my non-expert With that, Let's dive into today's episode, which is all about travel and my trip to Bali. If you're just listening for the first time, you might not know that I moved to Australia about seven months ago now, which is wild. I feel like every episode I do, it just keeps increasing. I am at my almost seven month mark, which is just insane. And in order to get another visa, I have to move. That sounds weird. Like, what are you talking about? You have to move. I have to go to a rural area and do 88 days of hospitality or tourism work that is not in a big city. So I have to move to Cairns next week. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm going to be probably doing a lot more solo episodes and all about the transitional lifestyle that I'm living. It's very, very hard. Something that you you think about, but you don't realize when you sign up for that. You're like, yeah, it's going to be fun and travel and we're going to just jet set all around Australia. It's very weird to all of a sudden just have a routine, a studio that you like to go work out at, your grocery store, your cafes, your friends, your bars, and then all of a sudden be like, oh, I'm moving to a whole other part of Australia I've never been. So the reason I'm telling you that is because this move is going to be three months where I don't know anybody. So I decided to take a trip to Bali because my friend invited me. So my friend is over there. She was only supposed to be there for two weeks. And now by the time she leaves, she'll have been there for over a month, if not almost two months. 
I can understand why people go there. It is so cheap. It's so easy to meet people and everyone's an entrepreneur. That is something that I had no idea about. I picked Changu and Ubud basically because my friend was there. <laughs> but last time when I was in um, Bali it was for my yoga training. So I did a yoga certification in August, I think it was now. Wow, yeah, August and September. And I thought I had the weekends off. So I didn't plan to stay longer because I was like, oh, every weekend I'll just go to one of the other parts of Bali, like Changu, Seminyak, Uluwatu. These are all places if you ever plan a trip to Bali, you'll start hearing them. But what happened is we only had Wednesdays off. And obviously I'm not gonna go all the way an hour away for one day, not even be able to go out and then have to be back by 6 a.m. when our yoga practice was the next day. That was something that uh, when I was there last time, I didn't really get to see a lot. We were just a little bit outside of Ubud in my training and Changu is an hour away. So to give you some context, Ubud is like the spiritual center of Bali. That is where all the healers are. You'll turn a corner and see more healers than you will like cafes. And I'm like not exaggerating at all. It is spiritual healers, tarot card readers, energy crystal healing, Ayurvedic doctors, astrology readings, yoga teachers. Like that is the spot for healing. And you can feel it. It is very very like palpable in the air that everyone is just soul searching on this very deep spiritual path so that's the vibe of ubud and that's where my yoga training was last time which when you hear that it makes sense like oh yeah well if that's the vibe then it makes sense that your yoga training would be there Chenggu is where all the like millennials are and specifically entrepreneurs so this is something that i did not realize last time when I went last time, I only went for two days because we were finishing my yoga training and then I only had the weekend. So we went on a Saturday morning and then I left Sunday night. Imagine, you know, you go to the funnest part of what a millennial would say is the funnest part of the island and then you have to leave in basically 48 hours. So all I knew about Chenggu was like really, really quick. I just went out really quick. We had fun. We went to a few cool places to eat and then I just had to leave. I didn't really get the sense of all the entrepreneurs that were there. This time I was like, uh, did like a star explode and all its stardust just landed on the island and everyone became an entrepreneur that's successful, young, making six figures, working for themselves, traveling all the time, living in villas. Like these are the people I was hanging out with and this is not uncommon. Like it's not like I had a network there that is different from everyone on the island like this is the vibe in Changu. so if you go to Changu and you go to a cafe you're likely going to see 10 plus entrepreneurs working on their own things things like swimwear lines graphic design business coaching freelancing for different people all over the world like this is just what the vibe is in Changu. that was really nice to be around especially as i really try to level up this podcast and work on some other stuff it's so nice to be around that energy because think about it Think about your own nine to five. Let's use that as an example. If you went to your nine to five and you were complaining about a system that your company uses and then someone was like, mm, cool, like, yeah, not really sure. I don't know, not, not sure how to relate. You'd be like, this is annoying. Like, I can't talk to this person about it. They don't know what system I'm even talking about. So I'm venting and I'm trying to find a solution, but they don't know, they literally don't even know what system I'm using. That's how I started to feel with podcasting and what I wanted to do because it's not like my immediate circle of friends have a podcast. So if I'm talking about, 
oh, this is annoying that it's so hard to find a sponsor or monetize or really get the audio graphics that I want out. Again, it's that same example of like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, mm, what? Like, I've never used that, so I can't help you. In Bali, it's the opposite. Like, everyone is an entrepreneur. They have a podcast. They have a blog. They have a digital magazine. They they run their social media. So I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I, no one really gets it. No one has a podcast. It's it's hard to relate. And then meanwhile, these girls are talking about all their funnels and lead magnets and their client rosters. And I'm like, this is the energy I needed to be around. So that's just something when you're traveling to Bali to think about. Chengdu is definitely the millennial spot, but it's also very entrepreneurial focused. I feel like I can't say that word, but you guys get it. I would say the general vibes of both Chengdu and Ubud are very traditional and very healthy. Ubud is definitely more traditional because again, it's more like the the spiritual center. Chengdu is very like Instagram cafes, beach clubs, surfers, like that type of thing, where Ubud's quite the opposite, but they both have a lot of tradition in them. You might be walking around one day and just run into a parade down the street celebrating a holiday. That's actually happened to me both times I've been there. Or you might just be walking around and they're decorating for a big holiday coming up. Or you'll be walking around and see offerings in the street. If you followed my journey last time, they give offerings to the gods every single day. Bali's nickname is Island of the Gods, which is why I think it's known as being so spiritual. But they give these little offerings that are made of, I want to say leaves at the bottom. And then it's flowers, rice, different offerings, like little gifts. And it's just so cute. They make them all the time and they put them all over. So when you're walking around, you'll see this. And this is both in Enchengu and Ubud. So that's how they're similar. And they both are extremely health focused. Like everyone is active. Everyone does something like CrossFit, yoga, running, surfing. Like I've never seen more active people. And I live in Bondi Beach, which is saying a lot. Bondi Beach is like known as being one of the most active parts of Sydney. If you go to the beach at 6 a.m., you would see people swimming laps, running back and forth, jump roping on the sidewalk. It's like times 10 in Chengdu. Everyone is super active. Everyone's waking up, doing yoga again, like Pilates, aerial yoga, whatever you can think of, that's happening over in Chengdu. The other thing is that they both have a lot of vegan and vegetarian options. I would actually say it's more common to find those types of places than it is to find like a steakhouse. Actually, that is true. I know that's true. <laughs> you'll like, you'll more likely to find an acai bowl place than or acai. I feel like that's such an asshole word, like acai bowl, but then it's like, okay, I get it. That's how you say it. But yeah, you're more likely to find that than you are a cheeseburger. So that's just something like me. I love cheeseburgers. I'm a big carnivore. I had to get used to like all the acai bowls. Again, don't know if I'm saying that right, but it was just something that I'm not used to, especially coming from America. Anyone American listening knows we love our Chipotle, our Chick-fil-A, our convenience. That's not the case in Chengdu or Ubud. It's like soups, salads, delicious sandwiches, smoothies, bowls, smoothie bowls. Everything is just like ingredient, very like natural ingredients. So that's something you'll find both in Chengdu and Ubud. But it's actually really nice because when you're on vacation, it's like, yeah, you sometimes don't want to just like indulge in pasta and feel like shit and not go out. You're like, let me just have a really nice salad with a really nice piece of protein and still go out at night. So that's something that's just really funny to think about. Oh, wow, it's harder to find meat than it is to find a vegan or vegetarian option. I'm trying to think of the itinerary. 
and why we did it this way. So a little background, the girl that I went with was there for her own personal business. Like she was there with a friend working on a retreat that she's running. And she's like, you should really come here. Um, from Sydney to Bali is about a six to seven hour flight. So it's one of those flights that's kind of annoying because it's not long enough where you can just pass out and have a meal and you know, you don't even know what time it is. It's actually, I think one of the more annoying flights because it's not short enough either that you're like, oh cool, we're here. It's right in that middle where you're like, oh my God, we have four hours left. Holy shit, we have three hours. Oh my God, we have two hours. It's definitely like that type of flight for me. But because she was over there, she's like, well, why don't you just come before you have to go do your rural work up north? I was like, you know what? Maybe I could look into it. Flights aren't insanely expensive for being technically an international destination and being that far. I would say it's around 300 to 400 US dollars. And that's, again, if we're thinking about US flying, that's going from like a coast to a coast. For me, going to a whole other culture internationally, and then knowing that when I get there, how cheap it is, because I've been there before, I was like, I'll actually probably spend less than I do in Sydney. Of course, that's not the case. Whenever you're on vacation, even if it's a cheap spot, you'll find a justification to start spending everywhere. That's what I did. When I landed in Chenggu, I basically acted like I was a millionaire. So yes, it's really cheap, but then you just start spending more because you almost can't believe how cheap it is. That's why I met my friend out there. She was like, just come, let's have like a fun little girl's trip before. But the thing is, she's still working. She works for herself. I have several jobs here that ha I don't work for myself over here. Like I have a hospitality job. I have a social media job. For me, our schedules when I flew over there, I knew were gonna be different. I knew she had to work. I knew she had days and clients that she just had booked off. And so for me, I needed to think of, okay, well, what do I want to do when I get there? Do I want to surf? Do I want to go to a beach club? Do I want to lay out? What do I want to do? Do I want to actually work on my podcast? Maybe this is a really good time to focus on it. And that was really interesting because usually when you travel with someone, you're going as a unit, right? Like you book a hotel together, you book a room together, you book the Airbnb, then you wake up, you get ready. What time are we going to breakfast? What time's lunch? Let's go to this dinner spot later. Let's go to this club later. That's how I've traveled up until this trip. This one, she was like, I'm basically living here for the next month. So she had a villa, which I'll get to in a second, but she was staying in a villa. So I needed to stay in a hostel by myself, which of course, when you hear that out loud, you're like, that's so weird. Like, weren't you traveling together? Why wouldn't you stay with her? Blah, blah, blah. Well, her villa is basically an apartment. So when you move to Bali, if you're going to move there for a year or more or a month or more, people get villas. I'm talking f like a full-blown villa like you would see literally on any TV show, like a pool in the back. Everyone has beautiful chairs outside. They have beautiful bedrooms. The interior is decorated like Malibu vibes. Everything's jungly and pretty and magical and tropic. And you're like, wait, 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 you guys live here? I'm confused. It's because you just start treating it like an apartment and then everyone just splits the cost of the villa. If you think about it, it's kind of like just renting a nice Airbnb and splitting with everyone. But imagine a cheap Airbnb that's nice because you're in Bali and the prices are cheaper, splitting it with two other people. It's not a big deal. But when I was coming over there, she didn't know if I could stay with her because she was living there. And she's like, I don't know if the roommates will be like cool with that. And I was like, I totally get it. Like I'm fine with booking my own hostel, it's so cheap. So I ended up staying at a place called The Farm. If you've heard of the farm, you know, it's probably one of the most popular hostels in Changu. It's super nice. 
it is it has a pool the rooms are nice they have air conditioning the shower was outside look like a little like jungle palace they have girls dorms boys dorms mixed dorms everyone was really respectful and quiet and chill like i had no issues with the farm so that's where i stayed and then my friend stayed at a villa which wasn't that far down the road so that's just an interesting tidbit was that again normally i'm staying with a friend and we're traveling the whole time together and this time she'd be like, hey, I can't meet until 8 p.m. I have client stuff all day. I was like, that's fine. I'm going to go like chill, do my own thing. So one of the first things I did when I got there was something that I wanted to do last time, which was get a really cute manicure. If you looked at my Instagram stories, you probably saw that I got these cute little nails with like designs on them. I got them from one of the most popular salons there called Jet Black Ginger. They have one of the best ratings in Chengdu. So they do hair, makeup, nails, blowouts, eyebrow tinting, eyelashes, like you name it, they have it there. I would say this is a, an interesting takeaway is being an American, when you hear the word Bali, all you think of is like palm trees, islands, surfing, maybe a beach club, right? I thought everyone there was like on holidays, chilling, not worrying about any of this beauty stuff. But then when you're there and you realize people live there, of course people care about beauty and skincare and all these things. So all these people have gone over there to open those types of businesses. Something really, really, really important to note is Bali is not a fully developed country. It's not a first world country. So when you go there, you're still gonna see a little bit of poverty and pollution and dirtiness. Like when you're riding around a scooter, it's completely like you're inhaling dirt and gas exhaust and all this stuff there are stray dogs they burn trash sometimes because they don't know better again like that's just their culture they they don't have the systems that we do so that's just something to keep in mind is like you see what you see on instagram but when you get there it's a bit different that's something that when i got there you're like wait what is this nice ass salon with like gorgeous interior? They have amazing blowouts. They do nails really cute. They have eyelash tinting. Like what the hell? Like, isn't this Bali? Like, isn't this just surfer's paradise? No, it's like people live there. They need all the stuff that they would have back home. So they have really nice facilities to accommodate that. Jet Black Ginger, highly recommend. It was definitely like a bit pricier. It's actually probably the price I would have paid for a manicure in Sydney but it's because of the quality and that I got the nail design. So I got that done, went to the farm, checked in. What's interesting about all these hostels is you have to go down little alleyways, I guess I would call them. They're like, yeah, I guess alleyways or little, yeah, I don't know what else to call them, back roads, I guess is another word. Great radio, just thinking of words on air, but <laughs> you have to scooter down these alleyways and you're like, well, how could a nice hostel be back here? Like, think about wherever you are right now. If you're in Florida or Chicago or California or New York or Texas or even England or Australia, if someone took you down a back alleyway, you'd be like, this is really unsafe. Like, why are we going down this way? Why is this a shortcut? Like, please, can we go another way? Here in Bali, you would go down these and all of a sudden you're in a beautiful hostel. I'm like, wait, what? This is back here? And it would be like a gorgeous hostel with umbrellas and palm trees and a bar. And that's what the farm was. So I was shocked to see it in that little like back alleyway. And if you saw many, any of my Instagram stories, you saw how nice it was. I'll post some pictures too, but you can also just look them up, the farm hostel Changu and see how nice it is. So that's where I stayed. And then the first night we went to somewhere that I was dying to go to the first time I went, which is La Brisa, which is a beach club. 
Beach clubs are so popular in Bali. It's what you're probably seeing on Instagram. Like you, even the name Labrisa, you might have already seen it. If you've seen anyone go to Bali, they're going to Labrisa. The reason being, they built it to be this beautiful, like treehouse pirate ship kind of vibe where it's just beanbags everywhere, right against the sunset. They have this huge like treehouse type of thing all over. They have really chill wooden tables and areas to sit at. So it's very, very popular. Like my friend was saying, it's actually surprising I even found a seat there because it's so popular. Everyone goes for sunset. And we had a few drinks there. The drink of choice in Bali is definitely Bintang beers. I get something called Bintang Radlers, which I believe is a malt liquor or like malt alcohol. And I, they're like lemon flavored. To me, they taste like lemonade. So I'm like, hell yeah, give me all of those. And they're cheap, like $3. So I loaded up on some bintangs the first night at La Brisa, watched the sunset, caught up with my friend. We ended up eating there because it started raining. So that's the difference uh, too between the last time I went. I don't remember it being that hot last time. Like I remember being like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to be doing yoga outside in a villa. It's going to be like freaking hot yoga. And that never happened. It was like breezy every day. I don't even really remember sweating that much, which is wild because we were doing freaking yoga training. But this time, I almost passed out like every day. I actually got a heat rash, so I'll get to that in a second. But that's how hot it was. And then apparently it's also a rainy season. So just out of nowhere, a rainstorm will hit. So we were at La Brisa and we had plans to go somewhere else. And then all of a sudden it just started like pouring. So we just ended up eating on the inside at one of the little like tree houses in La Brisa. Highly recommend, gorgeous views. Just try to get there a little bit early before the sunset so you can get a good picture. You've probably heard me talk about the scooters a lot and not understood what I meant. So let me jump to that. Scooters are the most popular way to get around Bali. This is both in Ubud and in Changu, and I'm sure Uluwatu and the other places. But there's two options. There's actually three. You can rent your own scooter for the day which a lot of people do, definitely get a helmet. So a lot of people will rent their own scooter and drive it around. I don't feel comfortable doing that because the people that drive there are psychotic. Like, I swear to God, I close my eyes half the time I'm on the scooters. People are cutting people off. Remember, it's not a developed country, so there's no traffic lights. There's no stop-go. There's no yellow. It's just kind of like, okay, like, you go first. I'll respect your space. Oh, you're turning. Okay, let me go behind you. So imagine no traffic lights, everyone's just cutting people off, going on sidewalks, weaving in between cars, turning with no signals, just zooming off, stopping, like it is insane. I took a little time-lapse video so you can see. Oh my God, I, I have to like, I basically look at the rice fields and look away the whole time because I'm like, if I look, I will have a panic attack. So for me, renting a scooter was just not an option. Not only did I think I couldn't drive it because of how insane the streets were with no traffic control or anything, but I'm just worried about the other people. Like if I'm going slow and someone cuts me off, am I just going to fall over? And from what I know, every single person I know that's driven a scooter has had an insane accident. Like insane. So I'll give you five examples. This girl in my yoga training came to yoga with a huge rash on her leg, like it, in, it literally looked like a dog scraped her leg up and, and then she just came to yoga training and she said she got in a scooter accident and it's because she rented it. My other friend 
the one that I was visiting was with her friend and they both got into a scooter accident. They fell off into like oncoming traffic and the only reason they didn't get hit was because the car was far away. Her friend's face got scraped up. My friend said she was miraculously fine, but it was like the scariest thing that's ever happened to her. So no thanks on that one. The third one is a girl that literally lost the top of her finger and had to get it re-sewn on. So now her finger is like in a totally different shape. And someone that I just met at my hostel got flown off into a scooter and has a titanium plate in his freaking forehead. So if that doesn't convince you to not rent a scooter, I don't know what will. And again, maybe that's a little fear mongering or whatever. Like some of you might be listening and be like, I had the best time riding a scooter around. From me only being there two times and knowing that many people close to me that I just met getting in that many scooter accidents is like, that's just a no. So that is an option, but I'm passing on that. The other option is getting like a local taxi or a driver. Um, That's easy to book. You can just find someone when you get out of the airport and get their number and they'll pretty much like pick you up the whole time you're around. So you can do that. They basically will just charge you like a day rate and being like, yeah, I can drive you all around Chenggu for whatever dollars a day. It's usually not that expensive compared to Australia or the States. It's probably like 20, 30, 40 bucks. But if you start thinking of if you're comparing it to the States and like Ubers, that would add up really quick. So it's kind of easier to just play that, pay that flat rate up front and just use that van or car or taxi all day. So that's an option. You can also get like uber scooters they're not actually sponsored by uber but i feel like that's the most relatable thing to compare it to so instead of ordering an uber you order a scooter and they literally come pick you up with a helmet they bring you around you pop on the back of the scooter that's actually the way i got around the whole time so they have different options i think grab is like the legal approved one in bali but it's more expensive there's gojek which is the one i used which in in rupiah compared to us or excuse me to australian dollars is one dollar a ride it's actually 90 cents but i'm rounding up so obviously i'm going to be taking a scooter that is one dollar to get from point a to b like that's how cheap bali is when i'm saying i booked this trip because i knew i would spend a little money there that's what i'm talking about like i could get around daily for 10 bucks and that's 10 separate rides on gojek the caveat there is that gojek is not really like an approved legal option it's kind of like an under the table thing very similar to how Uber operates in places like Spain. So if you've ever been to Spain, there's always taxi strikes. And that's because Uber there, they were like trying to ban them. So that's kind of like Gojeks where they're like the Ubers there. They're like, please stop like taking away from our local business. We want you to support our local companies, like stop taking these Gojeks, but they still operate. So there's just some places that they won't let you get it. Like La Brisa is such a popular beach club. They won't let you get a Gojek. But like at my hostel, they would pick me up and drop me off all the time. So it's one of those things that once you get there, you start to figure it out and people will tell you like, oh, this is a zone. You can't pick up a Gojek here. And they'll even message you and say, hey, I can't meet you there, but like meet me down the street two blocks. So that's something that there's options if you can't get a Gojek too. Like I said, local taxi, you can walk. There's not, it's really not that hard to get around. So Chenggu is definitely known for the Insta cafes. I brought that up earlier, but if you've, ever looked up anything on Bali or seen a hashtag on Instagram or seen a cafe in Bali, it was probably in Chenggu. It is the most, like, I I couldn't even believe the food that was coming out of some of the places, like smoothie bowls overflowing with huge fruit, these little jars like overflowing, decorated on the dishes, like they are all about presentation. 
And I was asking my friend, I was like, you know what's kind of confusing to me is, again, I, I feel like I've traveled so much and I feel like I'm an ignorant American when I go to places like Bali. I was like, what are all these nice Instagram, like gorgeous cafes with amazing food and drinks? Like, how are they in the middle of something that right next door is like a, a stray dog or there's nothing next door or it's in the back alley? Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Because I'm, I'm comparing everything to what I grew up in in America. If you're in a really nice place, right next to it is probably another really nice place and then you realize you're in a really nice plaza or you're just in a nicer part of town. That's not the case there. And I was like, why is that though? Like, why is there's this gorgeous Instagram cafe, but then like five stray dogs roaming the street right across from us. And she's like, that's because a lot of Aussies and international folks come over here to open up business because it's so cheap. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. They do call Changu and Bali like a mini Australia. They say you'll meet a ton of Australians. I think if you like live there and hang out, that would be true. But I met actually more like English people and Canadians and, and Americans. So I didn't actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I met one Aussie over there. But I think those are the business owners that have all these like gorgeous cafes. So some of them that we went to were Coast Cafe. Absolutely gorgeous. I posted this on my Instagram. Very popular among local entrepreneurs. It has a pool in the back. There's a lot of co-working spaces that will go there and have lunch. They have really good food. There's all these like shaded lazy areas with pillows and tables and outlets. So going back to the whole entrepreneur thing, this is where people obviously thought of when they're like, I'm going to be a digital nomad and travel abroad. Yeah, I would pick Bali because that's what I would envision in my head is being around palm trees and a pool. So I understand why Coast Cafe is so hyped up. Crate Cafe is another one, C-R-A-T-E. It's kind of like in its name, it has all these crates all over. But this one to me is so hyped up on Instagram. When I got there, I was like, wait, wait, wait. This is the Crate Cafe that I've been looking at on Instagram? My friend's like, yeah, I know. It's basically a concrete building, like a concrete slab of foundation, concrete, uh, like everything, tin roof, like it's just gray. And then they have signs that are cute that say Crate Cafe and they have photos and stuff. But I'm like, but why is it so popular? And then I realized because their food and presentation is just what I was talking about, where they're going like all out. The waffles are stacked to the ceiling with like, you know, whipped cream to the sky coming out of it with cherries all over, like that's just the vibe. It's like Instagram foodie cafe. So of course, when people go, they're taking pictures and stories and tagging it. Um, and it's actually really cheap. So nothing there is over $7. So I was like, okay, well, I understand why. So Crate Cafe, super popular. I think it's a little overhyped, but the food is actually really good for the price. I also went to Miss Ibu, like Miss, and then IBU got this delicious slushy. It was actually quite quiet and it's in the middle of this place called I think Tamora either gallery or galley but the whole place is kind of like I would I guess I would call it a plaza but I guess you can call it a gallery too but I'm speaking in like a, in an American reference I would call it a plaza where it's a bunch of restaurants and then there's a co-working space there and then there's a playground and then there's an ice cream shop so it's one of those places that you go to and you can find a little bit of everything. So in that galley, I actually found a podcast studio to record. And this is going back to being like such an ignorant American. But I'm thinking, oh, podcast studio in Bali. It's going to be nice, but I don't know that it's going to really have everything. I don't know about the setup here. Like, I don't really know what's going to happen. 
I go in and it's like the nicest podcast studio I've ever been to. They set me up with microphones, headphones, an iMac like right up there on the desk, professional audio guy on site who literally at the end gave me my file and like was like, oh yeah, here's the professional file. Like, here you go. I'm like, what? And it was so cheap. I think it was $22 for the whole hour, which I'm comparing that to somewhere in the States. It would probably be like 25 to 50 and 25 would be like a cheap ass one person room for like a Skype, like a phone booth type of thing. So yeah, if you're going to go to Bali at all and try to record a podcast, actually not even a podcast. They had all these other studios to shoot photos, to shoot videos, to do art. Like they basically have all these studios developed for creatives. So that was really interesting. It's called Genesis Creative Studio. So that's where I recorded my podcast with Saskia, who's on the podcast last week. Sista Changu, amazing dumpling spot. I had 16, yes, 16 dumplings because they were amazing. They also had some special, I think we went on a Tuesday, so it was like Taco Tuesday, but for dumplings. So I got those, absolutely delicious, like not one complaint, good vibes, good music, cute art, nice people. Like I could have stayed there all day, but we had to leave. I also got a coconut, so that's a big thing. If you're gonna go to Bali, get a coconut, it's just coconut water. They open it up and it's so freaking hot. It actually helps a lot. I actually don't think I can drink that much coconut water, but my friend was getting a coconut like everywhere we went. So try the coconuts out. Cafe Copenhagen was another one we went to. And I just went to Copenhagen this summer. You guys might've heard that episode where I recapped it with my friend that married a Danish guy. It It's funny because I sent her pictures of where we ate. And she's like, yeah, that's exactly how it would be in Denmark. Like that's how we order. That's how our food comes out. So if you saw my posts or heard us talk about the way we ordered in Denmark, they give you this list of food and you basically check off what you want, but they're really, really small entrees. So I remember doing this in Denmark and I was like, yeah, but I remember when it comes out, it's small, but if you order six things, it's a lot of food, right? Like you get a side of avocado and then a side of toast and then side of eggs and then side of salmon and this and that. It's like, yeah, that's a full blown meal now. But I was so hungry, I ate with my eyes, I ordered like a hundred things, and this feast came out, and it looked exactly like the one in Denmark. So that was really cute. I'm assuming someone either Danish owns it, or is very familiar with the Danish food scene. So that's Cafe Copenhagen. And where else did we eat that was really cool in Changu? Oh, Lolita's. Lolita's Mexican. Oh my gosh. So you guys know I love Mexican food. My bio on my Instagram is Chips and Salsa Ambassador. I'm obsessed. I am sad to report I still have not found the best chips and salsa either in Sydney or in Bali, but Lolita's did have really good Mexican food. I got ceviche and it was like spicy as hell and I love spicy. So that was really delicious. The vibes are really cool. It's like dimly lit. It's outdoors. It's really like local, fun. People were kind of getting up and dancing, eating Mexican food, sipping on margaritas. It's like exactly what you would want a Mexican chill night out to be. That's what it was. So I would highly recommend Lolita's. So that's like what I'm really highlighting for food. In terms of activities, I definitely wanted to keep active when I got there. I have class pass and they had class pass in Bali. And like I said, everything's cheap there. So if you have class pass, the credits there are also really low. So if you go, you can find classes for like three to four credits. If you live in Chicago and use class pass, you know, anything good is like seven to 12 credits. So if we're talking about three to four, 
that's obviously you're going to get a lot of classes. So I booked one at the Chengu Studio. And the Chengu Studio, basically at the bottom, is where they do more intense workout classes like boot camps, weight training, boxing, all that type of stuff. And then upstairs is like a dance studio. Oh my god. If you guys saw the Instagram story, you know what I'm talking about. We did a Beyonce dance class. It was the funnest thing I've probably done in the last year. I just noticed that whenever I'm doing those types of things that I probably haven't done since I was 14, I'm the happiest I've been and things that get me in my feminine energy. What the hell is feminine energy? You might be thinking it's something that when I heard it, I was like, oh, just being girly, right? Like, it sounds like what it sounds like, feminine energy. Oh, you're just being more feminine, so you're being girlier. And being girlier means liking pink and getting your nails done and this and that. No. What I'm learning now that I'm, like, much more into spirituality and looking inwards and all this stuff is there's masculine energy and feminine energy. Your masculine is when you're like, go, 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 hustle. That's very much when I'm doing the podcast, right? I'm like, okay, I got to email these 10 people. I need to follow up. I need to go email that sponsor. I need to make an outline. And then I'm going to negotiate with this person. Like that's very masculine, like very hustle oriented, very strong vibes. Where feminine is more like receptive, flowing, letting things be, listening. And so that's something that I'm really trying to work on because I do not only work on my podcast a lot, but I had three jobs here. I finally quit one, but that doesn't mean that I didn't have two other jobs that I had to be more masculine. Like you have to talk to coworkers, you have to set meetings, you have to email clients back, you have to email customers. Like you're pretty much in your masculine to me all the time at work and I'm learning that doesn't have to be that way. You can be in your feminine energy. So when I started thinking of, okay, well, if I'm in Bali, this is a place to do feminine energy stuff. So I booked that Beyonce dance class and I literally felt like Beyonce. My hair was in a ponytail and they turned the song on and the teacher was so amazing. She literally made us do catwalks across the studio. Like before we even got started, we did a quick warm up, and she's like, um, you know, before we learn the routine, we need to just like up level our confidence. We need to get sassy. And I was like, mm, okay, what does this actually mean? Like, what is this lady talking about? She's like, here we go. Like, I'm going to make you go in groups of five, walk across the floor, put your shoulders down, strut your hips, lift your chest up, like head high. She did a little example and it was literally like a model catwalk. And then we had to break up into little groups and do it across the floor. And of course, when you hear that, you're like, oh my God, I would never do that. That's so embarrassing. That's crazy. Bali, like no one is judging you. No one gives a fuck. Everyone there is soul searching, working on themselves, working on their business. Like I remember being in line and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to suck so bad at this. Like I'm also just not naturally like a flirty person at all. Like I'm quite awkward when it comes to flirting or I'm just like really jokey and laughing and and, like funny about it so when it comes you know putting on these like flirty sassy dance vibes I was like "Mm, I'm getting really bad at this and then something just happens when Beyonce's on and everyone in the room is into it there are probably like 30 people in this dance class when everyone's into that vibe you're like well I have to get into it too so we just started getting so into it we did it like three or four times across the dance floor then we learned a whole routine and lately I'm like, I, if I'm learning a routine, I want to learn like a real routine. You know what I mean? I don't want to learn like 
an aerobics dance class or like Zumba. Like no offense to all my Zumba lovers. I know that you're out there, but I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to drop it low, like trying to drop it low, trying to pop a hip, trying to like shake my ass. Like I don't want to do all these like aerobic hands up, hands down dance moves. Luckily, this class did that. So the girl was like making us learn to, what was it? Jump on it, I think. Ooh, boy, you're looking like you like what you see. That song. Oh my God. We were learning basically dance choreo choreo moves to the lyrics. So when it said like, I know you see me shaking it, we would literally like shake our ass. When you're just like, I know you see me dropping, we're dropping it low. I was like, yes, this is what I've been wanting. I was so in my feminine energy. I was like, who is this person? It's like someone took over my body. I posted it on my Instagram stories and people were like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, I've never really seen this side of you. And I'm like, you know what? There is this side of me that either A, comes out super drunk at the club when I'm dancing, which lately I haven't been doing that, or B, this is what I used to love doing when I was younger. I was a dancer up until high school and I loved the hip hop dance classes. You guys might remember right before I moved here, I did a dance class in Winter Park, Florida, where I was living and I had the best time. Like, I was dying because I could not keep up with the cardio of it, but I was having so much fun. So I'm like, why don't I do this more? Like, every time I go in a good mood, I'm always happy. I have the best time with the people. I list my vibes. I feel more feminine. I feel more flirty. I feel more confident. Like, why don't I just keep booking hip hop dance classes? So when I move up north, that is going to be a big priority for me is doing stuff that just is like really playful and fun. It doesn't need to be a monetary hobby. I don't need to be like sitting on my desk at my computer or something like that. Like it needs to be me moving. And this class did that for me. So yeah, I'm like rambling on and on, but that's because that class like changed the whole vibe of my trip. Like I'll be honest, I was a little jaded going into this trip because I had been there before. Um, I got my first three tattoos in Changu. So I was like, oh, I've seen it. It's not that big. I, I know what to expect. I've been to Bali already. I got my training here. I know what the people are like, blah, blah, blah. And so when I got there, I was like, yeah, this is going to be fun. But I don't know that I'm like, ah, I'm in Changu. So when I got there, but, excuse me, when I did this dance class, I was like, hell yes. Like this just changed my energy. I'm like so ready to be like receptive and listen to people's stories and just like keep up this fun, like I was literally whipping my ponytail around in class. Like, I, I don't do that in real life. Like, I don't meet guys and, like, play with my hair and, like, flip my ponytail. Or, like, even, like, if I'm just out with my girls, I'm not like that. I'm, like, either t- telling a story, like, really dramatically with my hands. Or if we dance, I'm dropping it low. But, again, that's when I'm really drunk. So to be, like, sober on a Thursday, whipping my hair around and dropping it low, like, I was obsessed. So, as you can see, I highly recommend Changu Studio. <laughs> I also did a yoga class at Serenity Eco House. This place, I had no idea was an actual place to stay. So this is the funny thing about Bali is like you walk into one place from the outside and it looks like it's going to be one thing. And then you walk in and it's like a maze of 14 other things. My friend just said this about the CrossFit gym there. She's like, I don't know what the hell just happened, but I walked into the gym and it's like a village. I'm like, what are you talking about a village? I don't even understand what that means. She's like, no, Chelsea, there's like a hotel in the back. There's a spa. There's like 200 people at this CrossFit. I'm like, what are you talking about? We drove by that CrossFit. It looks like a small gym. She's like, no, like there's a whole backside to it. And that's how Serenity Eco House was. I get dropped off and it looks like 
maybe a two level story like yoga studio and then there's just all these trees and things covering it so you walk in the front is a cafe you keep going it's a full-blown like guest house like there's hostel not hostels but like rooms to stay in there's a pool in the back there's like four different yoga studios i'm like i don't get it how did i miss this from driving by so that's like kind of the fun part about going into bali is you walk into these places expecting one thing and then you you're like am i in like willy wonka's chocolate factory like what did i just step into so that's like the really fun side of bali but serenity eco house was like that so i took this yoga class it was 90 minutes and i needed it i have not been doing yoga as much i've been doing a lot of pilates because my class pass actually ran out and i really love this studio right now in sydney that does pilates and it's right by my work so i've been doing that but i've been feeling like so tense and like kind of emotional i'm like where is this energy like like how do i get it out of my body you know what i mean and yoga this 90 minute class is exactly what i needed i have also been so back to the word of the day masculine energy i've been so in my masculine energy of like go 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 get this done book this book this hostel book this interview like truly just hustling that to just be 90 minutes in a slow yoga class in bali on this like deck by a pool in the jungle type of vibe i'm like no i needed this like at first i was like 90 minutes how am i gonna do this like this is so slow it wasn't even really a vinyasa class to give you background vinyasa is probably the classes you're used to going to if you've been in a studio where you're just flowing from down dog to upper dog to warrior two back to warrior one like that's the type of flow that i'm used to this was much more slow we were like warming up for 30 minutes we were opening up our hips and it really helped me so if you go to bali it's like almost required for you to do a yoga class so i definitely would check out serenity eco house it was really cool what else nightlife duh how can i forget that nightlife is popping in changu okay i went out one time during my whole yoga training and it was out in changu and we went to something called old man's which is once again one of the places that from the outside you're like oh cool whatever and then you go in and it's like packed like i'm like how i didn't even know this many people could fit in a bar you go in it's packed and then if you don't think that's packed you turn a corner and there's a full-blown sandbar packed i can't i'm trying to think of another word to use them packed to explain the dramaticness of how packed this was like just imagine a hundred people at a beach party um like that would look like a lot right there's probably like 500 people down on the beach there's a tent where someone's giving out tattoos there's like multiple bars it's really really fun and then there's this whole strip of just like beach clubs so La Brisa, I told you, I went to more for like sunset and dinner, but I've heard people going out there at night. Uh, we went to the Lawn Changu. We went there on Valentine's Day. So we pre-gamed at my friend's villa. We had like the best girly business chats. That's something too, the, the chats you have over there because everyone's entrepreneurial are much different than like, oh yeah, who are you hooking up with? Yeah, work sucks. Haha, <laughs> yeah, I'm broke. Uh, yeah, I think I might make a raise this year. Like those are the conversations I remember having in America. Here we were talking about like, I don't even remember like egos and boys and soulmates and what does love mean and like our businesses and how we can level up. And this is a pre-game conversation. So we had a conversation like that. Then we went out to the lawn. So fun. Apparently, if you're in Chengdu, it's like a bubble. So very similar to Bondi. And so the girls we were with knew this guy that had VIP 
So we went into the VIP section, which is pretty much just a rope leveling off from the crowd. But it was nice to just have that little section. And it was super fun. They were playing like everything from Tyga to ABBA to like top hits. So we just had so much fun dancing. And then we went out to a few other bars. And this one girl and I were like, you know what? It's Valentine's Day. Like, let's just keep going. So me and her ended up going to the the Sandbar bar that I was telling you about. And we're like, let's just like walk around, have fun. Like, it's so funny because it's kind of like spring break in the States. Like they're playing very top 40 hits. Everyone's young. Everyone's raging, acting like it's their first time out at a beach party. But it's just fun to be around that, especially when you get in such a routine where you're where you're living. Like in Bondi now, I go again, it was same grocery store, same bars, same people. So to just be like, wow, this is like spring break at the beach. It was just really fun. So we did that. I stayed up to like six in the morning um not a great sleep session my sleep sucked in bali because i was just like not in my own bed and then staying out late and getting used to the time difference i think there's a three hour time difference from sydney so that was pretty hard to adjust to but super fun and then we had to that day end up going to ubud so after the lawn we hung out all day in changu at this place called alternative beach and apparently they call it alternative universe because they cut their alcohol with something and this is apparently like happens all over bali so you know when like i mean the only reference i can use right now is drugs if you've done a drug or know of drugs or bought drugs or even if you just watch the news like the drug drugs are cut with something right because not everything is pure so apparently that's what's happening in bali is like they cut the alcohol with some stuff so people that drink there apparently get like super fucked up and i'm like okay well i'm obviously not drinking here and my friends were like yeah do not drink there you will go to an alternate universe it's insane like everyone that was talking about this place alternative beach had a crazy story so i was like yeah i'm not drinking here then so we literally just hung out chilled in the water had another girly chat swam in the pool and then we headed to ubud so ubud's about an hour away from Chenggu. so we just bought we just split a taxi together so we get to ubud the reason we went is there was a manifestation ceremony that my friend had tickets for and i was like hell yeah you guys know me i literally love all that stuff so i was like sign me up manifestation course not course manifestation ceremony and then i love all the healing stuff about ubud so i was like yeah i would love to go back do something else with like astrology or spirituality like let's just go to ubud for a few days so we went to ubud when we got there we went to zest cafe it's gorgeous it's so yogi like Everyone was basically in like yoga pants, dreadlocks, barefoot. It's like what you would think of when you think of eat, pray, love is like what's happening at Zest Ubud. So it's delicious. All the food is vegan. Like there's not one thing on the menu that has meat in it. So I found comfort in some coconut like sweet potato soup or something. And it's actually pretty good. Um, Vegan desserts are surprisingly really good. I kept getting them and I'm like, these taste like real desserts. Like real like what i'm talking about i'm talking about like cheesecake factory (laughs) but i'm talking like these tasted like that so i'm not a hater of vegan desserts but everything at zest pretty much everything in ubud is vegan or vegetarian so we ate at zest that night and then we stayed at a villa which is right next to yoga barn yoga barn is one of the most popular places in ubud it's exactly what it sounds like i guess not a barn but it is a huge complex like almost a resort of just straight up yoga. Okay, I think I might have talked about this in my last Bali recap, but imagine if you were like, wow, I'm gonna dream up 
the best place for yogis. It's going to have like a vegan cafe. It's going to have multiple studios. It's going to have a really chill vibe. It's going to be like super laid back. That's exactly what happened with Yoga Barn. Like you walk in, it's like a rainforest. Then there's this huge cafe, all vegan once again. The cafe is set up with like pillows on the ground. Like people are not eating at like their like you would at a desk or something like they're eating sprawled out on pillows chilling relaxing sipping on tea like literally what you would dream of uh, again of a yoga place then you walk up and there's like four different yoga studios in one side four different in the other side and they have all different classes like sound healing meditation yoga for your hips baby yoga yoga for pregnant moms fast yoga hot yoga kundalini yoga like anything in the yoga realm you can think of they have on their schedule so if you're like hmm i want to just try any type of yoga class go to yoga barn so we stayed at a villa right next to it and um so yeah then obviously we ended up going to yoga barn so we went there sunday morning and we did a kundalini class and kundalini is a lot different from vinyasa so vinyasa again is probably the most popular one that if you're if you've ever been to a studio you've probably done vinyasa However, kundalini is a bit more like spiritual. It's a lot of breath work. It's chanting. It's like holding poses longer. Like the goal in kundalini is not to be like burning calories and holding planks and downward dogs. It's like very different. But each class is different. Like the class I went to in Santa Monica before I left was totally different than the one I did at Yoga Barn. But this one is all about opening your heart. So of course, all of our poses were focused on heart openers, which have to do with the chest. So there's a lot of opening up your chest, back bends, holding these twists, breathing, focusing on your lungs, things like that. So Kundalini can be really powerful. Like my friend is obsessed with it. She literally has said like her best moments since she's been in Bali have come from Kundalini classes. Like she has crazy downloads and creative ideas and visions and realizations. Like she'll leave a class and be like, I literally feel high. And I'm like, what? I have not felt that from a kundalini class yet, but the one we went to, she's like, yeah, I don't know that I love that one. So maybe I just need to give it another try. But either way, Yoga Barn, you should go to. The markets there are really popular. That's something I believe that was an Eat, Pray, Love. Funny enough, I have still not watched the movie. But the Ubud markets are like a strip and it has everything. Like those cute little wooden, wooden like woven type of purses that every girl on earth has now. You can get those at the Ubud markets, all this jewelry, anklets, earrings, bracelets, pots, pans, sarongs, yoga bras, like anything you can think of that you would find at a market, you could find at this Ubud market. And of course, just like any market, you have to hustle and negotiate. So I am so bad at this. I It's funny because I was in sales for six years. So you would think I would be like kind of a hard ass. And I'm just so empathic that I have the hardest time going back and forth with these people. And thank God my friend has done this so many times since she's been there. She's like, no, like we're not paying that. Nope. Lower the price. Nope. Sorry, I guess we'll have to leave. And I'm like, oh my God, no, like we'll just pay it. Like, what are you talking about? She's like, Chelsea, these rings are not worth $15. Like I'm not paying $15. We have to pay five. And the people would sit there and go back and forth like, no, please, like, we worked really hard on those or like, look how intricate the details are, please, like $15, $10. And my friend would just be like, no, $5. I'm like, what? So if you're going to go, definitely bring a professional with you or A, be a hard ass or B, just bring more cash. Because if you if you're like me and you're pretty like, oh, my God, yeah, whatever, I'll pay. 
then you're going to need a little extra cash to pay for it. So to give you some like context, if you are going to these markets, every piece of jewelry you paid for was $5. So a ring, an anklet, earrings, bracelet, we ended up negotiating down to $5 per piece. So if you're going there and they're charging you like 20, 15, whatever, that's way too high. So definitely try and get yourself at least down to five to $10. So that was really fun. Then we went to the manifestation ceremony was at night. And this is at a place called Pyramids of Chi, which is actually pretty far. It's kind of hard to get a ride out there. So if you are going to hit up Pyramids of Chi, just plan ahead. We went to a place called Clear Cafe actually before that. I went there the first time I got to Ubud. It's so pretty. It's two stories. There's a pond at the bottom with fish. There's a spa in the back. Once again, one of the Willy Wonka places that I'm talking about, you go in thinking when it says the word clear cafe, you're like, okay, cool, little cafe. No, you walk in in this like revolving oval and then you get in and it's two stories. You have to take your shoes off. It's gorgeous. There's people sitting down. There's people in the back getting massages. They have food from everywhere. So we ate there first and then we did the pyramids of chi. So yeah, manifesting ceremony was there and that was wild. So as much as I love talking about manifestation and spirituality and doing the inner work, my ego pops up all the time and I'll still have instances where I'm like, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Like, what are we really doing here? What's going on, guys? Like, the jig is up. Like, let's stop. And that's just my ego, right? Because I'm not used to this stuff. If you go to Ubud and someone says, oh, I'm going to a manifesting ceremony, it's the same thing in America as being like, hey, I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want something to order? Same exact concept. And you might think I'm being dramatic. I'm not. Ubud is such a healing center. It actually was almost intimidating to go. I think that's what my issue was. I was intimidated. So when I looked deeper, I was like, it's not bullshit. It's just I'm intimidated because I have never had to go to a manifesting ceremony and drink cacao mix. Cacao is like hot chocolate, basically. And talk about feelings and sing along. And literally what you would think of in a kumbaya circle. Like that's what was happening. So we get there. There's this huge circle of flowers, like absolutely gorgeous. You've seen all the flower setups in Bali. They did that for this circle. And then there were all these tarot cards around it. And then there was like a group up front. There was a girl that was kind of like the lead speaker like lead guide i guess i wish i had better words for them but i would say guide yeah so she was a guide and then she had a band beside her like a singer a drummer all these different people up there and it started out with just like setting intention with something that you want to manifest if you've listened to my podcast before you know that i do believe in manifesting so that wasn't the issue for me i think where i was getting intimidated was the whole ceremonial aspect of singing and the tarot cards and the the setup i was just like oh my god like this is like culty and and then i just realized again that was just because my fear like i hadn't done it before i ended up crying twice it was so beautiful like these people up up front playing guitars playing this girl's singing was like an angel they were just playing instruments like so well and the songs were so powerful and simple that i was just like emotional (laughs) and then just being around that energy again when we talk about energy i can't stress this enough like everything comes down to energy and vibes i hate the word vibes because it's like everything is a vibe now like oh my god bed sheet vibes fan vibes computer vibes like not everything is a vibe but when I'm talking about manifesting, like, yeah, you have to be high vibe. You have to have high energy. So I ended up being like, Chelsea, you paid for this ceremony. 
do you want to be here? I think it was three hours. So I was like, do you want to be here for three hours the whole time being like, oh, this is bullshit. This is like a cult. This is annoying. This is stupid. This is dumb. Why am I here? Like, oh, this is so silly. I could either do that and for three hours sit with that low vibe energy or be like, you know what? If this, if you're going to do this, Ubud is the place to do it. Like it is the one place in the world where someone would be like, yeah, if you're going to do a manifesting ceremony, you should probably go to Ubud Bali because it's the center of healing and like the genesis of eat, pray, love. So I was like, you know what? After like 10 minutes, I was over it. It my over my own like low vibes. I was like, Chelsea, embrace this get into it, have fun. At this point, I had developed my heat rash too. I forgot to mention that. So I started itching in the middle of the night in Ubud and I was like, what the hell is happening? And the next morning I was like covered in hives basically. And when I got back to Australia, I figured out it was a heat rash because I do not remember Bali being that hot last time. And I was dying. Like I was sweating everywhere we went i wanted to jump in a pool my clothes were soaked through i didn't wear makeup the whole time because i was like it's just gonna melt off i pretty much wore my hair up in a bun or like a cute braid and i wore as much loose clothing as possible and i still got a heat rash so this heat rash was really bothering me so that was something that in the ceremony too i was having trouble because i was like oh i just want to itch and lay down and like go get a cool cream and just chill and like be in my own up not apartment my villa and so I was finding it hard to concentrate, but again, I had to keep reminding myself, you're here for three hours, three hours, you came all the way here, it's far from where we were, and you paid for it, so you either can make the best of it or not. So after like 30 minutes, I was like, all right, I'm going to just fully dive in, I'm going to sing the songs, I'm going to drink the cacao, trust me, if anyone's listening, cacao is hot chocolate, like people in the West Coast are drinking cacao coffee like every single day. Um, it was actually delicious. I, I was like, they're like, oh, maybe only take one or two sips. It's very powerful. And they gave us like half a cup and I was like chugging it. I was like, what is this delicious hot chocolate? And I was like, I don't really think you're supposed to chug it like that. But they did say some people are like, no, some people really do love it. And so I ended up getting a second class. So I'm a big cacao fan. And um, yeah, so it starts out with like setting an intention. And then we started going around talking about limiting beliefs that we have. And you know what I realized? I talk about that word a lot and I realize I don't know that anyone knows what that means. Like it's just kind of a word that once you start looking into this whole like manifesting spirituality, self-help word that you hear a lot. But I was like, I don't necessarily think that I knew I know what that meant. Am I even speaking English anymore? It's hard to talk solo sometimes, you guys. (laughs) But if I was like, okay, wait, when I started listening to the word limiting belief, did I know what that meant? And I was like, not really. Okay, so let's break it down. Limiting belief means you've set a limit on yourself or you've capped out your own beliefs, right? I like that. Like you capped out your own beliefs. So capped out means, oh, I can only make X amount this year. I can only stay in this job for the rest of my life because I got a degree at in college for this. Oh, I have to stay with this partner because I've already been with them for two years. So why would I leave now? Or I won't find anything better because I capped out my belief. Like, this is what I deserve. I deserve this type of guy. Like, yeah, he's he's not bad, but he's not great. But, you know, best I can do, that's out. That's a capped out belief. Like, you've capped out where you can actually find better or do better or see better or make more money. So that's what a limiting belief is. So some of the beliefs that we went over were, oh, um, I you have to grind to make money. You Love is hard. Uh, I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I will always struggle. 
People don't like me. People judge me for what I do. People are out to get me, right? These are all things that we've thought about. So everyone was sharing these. And then we did this song and like, oh, we picked up like flower petals and threw them in the middle. And then we like sang another song about the opposite. And then we did the opposite where we thought about beliefs that would help us. Like I am enough. I am more than worthy of big love and money and uh, healthy relationships. Love is easy. Making money is easy. Life is easy. So it was just really nice because, again, being around that energy with so many people in the room, like, you have no choice but to, like, feel that energy. So I got emotional. I was like, oh, so beautiful. I'm already, like, kind of a crybaby. I was definitely a much more of a crier when I was much more of an insecure person like four years ago. Now if I cry, it's because something is like truly touching my heart or I'm really, really emotionally like upset about something. And I was definitely crying like emotional, like spiritual tears, I guess. I was just like, wow. Like it's one of those things that you just have to step back and be like, where am I? I'm in the middle of Bali doing this healing ceremony that I would never in my life do in Winter Park, Florida around all these people that are thinking the same things that feel similar to me. We're all different ages, genders, identify differently, but we're all here for the same reason in the middle of Bali, in like a jungle. I'm like, that is pretty crazy. So I just started crying about that. And then we were singing a song that had like all these powerful lyrics. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry again. So yeah, it was really nice. Like I love the people there. I ended up following the main like guide girl on Instagram. Like her energy was amazing. And I just felt, I felt better, but I also felt like something kind of like cracked open in me that was like hiding, that made me almost like scared to look into it more. Because think about it, like when I wake up in Sydney, I'm not doing this type of stuff. Like, yeah, maybe I'll meditate here and there. I'll write a gratitude list of 10 things I'm grateful for, but I'm not like, wow, let me dive deep into my inner child and think about my living beliefs and what do I think about money? So it like cracked open this part of me that I was like, ooh, whoa, that's going to be pretty deep. So I started to almost get like an emotional hangover. And then the next day we went to a place called Radiantly Alive, which is another gorgeous yoga studio. It's one of the most popular ones in Ubud. They have everything you can imagine there, like workshops around crystal healing, around pleasure, around birth, around astrology, around like literally anything you could think of in the spiritual realm or health and wellness is at Radiantly Alive. And surprise, it has a cafe and multiple studios within the facility. So my friend and I had booked this spiritual counseling with a girl that was like a palm reader slash like medium. And I love that stuff. Like I love to hear from different healers to either not only tell me, not tell, I'm trying to think of how to word this because there's definitely a misconception that a medium or a psychic is like looking in a crystal ball and being like, Chelsea, you're going to live here. You're going to marry this guy. You're going to have three kids. You're going to make this much money. And that's it. That's not what it is. It's more of guidance and for you to get over your own issues. Like we all have issues, right? So I have my own issues that I brought up to this person, the healer, and then we would flip tarot cards and walk through it. And then she could like read my energy and feel my mediums and all these different things, feel my mediums, feel my like spirit basically and be like, wait, 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 why did that bother you? And I was like, wait, what? I didn't even say anything. And it would be like, oh, wow, a word she said or something she brought up did bother me. And she's like picking up all that energy. And that was, it was supposed to be 90 minutes and we went for 120 minutes. So we went for two hours. So imagine doing a three hour, very intense spiritual ceremony, 
then going to a nine, no, 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 two hour one-on-one spiritual counseling, okay? And one-on-one spiritual counseling isn't like, hi, like, let's just talk about where you're going to live, what you're going to do, and like, have fun, have a good day. It's like, no, 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 we're going to get like deep, deep, deep. Like, what happened in your childhood? Why are you scared of this? What are you afraid of? Why are you afraid of it? Why are you crying about this? Like, so much stuff that between those two things, I definitely had like an emotional hangover when we went back to Changu. After that, we just got lunch at this place called Acai Queen, which is delicious. It's like beautiful acai bowls. And I just remember thinking like, wow, those two specific events really were so emotional that I feel like it's something I'm going to bring back to Sydney and like really have to work on. So I'll bring that up in a second. But yeah, that's something like if you're going to go to Ubud and do one of these spiritual healings, you need to block off time to decompress about like, what did I just do? Like what just happened? If any of you have watched the Goop Lab on Netflix, I highly recommend it. Their first episode is about magic mushrooms. And I didn't do any of that. I didn't do like any hallucinogens or mushrooms or anything. But the staff goes to Jamaica to do mushrooms. And then the girl was one of them just has such an intense experience that she's like, I I just like need to process what happened. Like, I think this is going to take me a while, but it feels like I just did all this therapy, like years of therapy in one session. That's kind of how Ubud is like. You go and do these ceremonies and sessions and spiritual counselings and things like that and you're like, wow, I just cracked open a part of my life or like looked at a part of my life that I don't think I've ever looked at. So that was something that I just had to remember like if I go back next time, I need to take a day off to like think about it, write about it, journal about it, talk about it just to like really let it settle in. So yeah, that was Monday and then we did this thing called the I think it's Kampuhan Ridgewalk. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it's where my picture on Instagram is. If you follow me at Chelsea Rife, you'll see it. It's this cute little walk that you go and it's like overlooking the jungle, literally like gorgeous, lush greenery. It's just so hot. Like I cannot stress this enough. I feel like I'm just going to post a picture on my Instagram story so you can see this. We walked like 50 feet and I was drenched in sweat like my neck looks like someone poured a bucket of water in me you can see my heat rash in this picture that's how hot it was and of course it's like elevated because you're like kind of up in the air on this hill so i just felt like we were closer to the sun and then i was like ah this is like the worst possible thing i could do for my heat rash is walk elevated in the sun unprotected in basically no 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 it was the whole thing was unshaded what am i talking about the whole thing is just like a sun trail There's no trees on the actual trail. So I was like, I don't know that I can do this that long, but I wish I could go back and do it again. Um, The heat rash, they have clinics all over that are super helpful. Like I walked in and they can give you like a more steroid type of cream over there because it's Bali. So it's not like you need a prescription or anything. So I would just be like, please, oh my God, this rash is so bad. And they just hooked me up, which is really nice. And then we went back to Chengu because I actually had another tattoo appointment. So I had to get back that um, next day and my flight was the next night. So we only went to Ubud for two days, just like quick spiritual stuff, like go do the fun, you know, more relaxed, laid back type of things that are definitely more spiritual. And then we went back to Chengu. So Chengu, when we got back, we went to dinner at this cute little place. And again, the food is amazing. Like, I don't think I had one bad meal there. Actually, the only bad meal I had, I think, was one one of the Mexican places we went. And it was just, I think, because I had it at 10 a.m. <laughs> I had a steak bowl, like, taco bowl at 10 a.m. I was so hungover. Oh, it was the night after I went out till 6 a.m. 
I my friend was like still sleeping and I was like I cannot wait for you and the only thing that sounds like is gonna like satiate me and kill this is Mexican food so I got a freaking steak taco bowl at 10 in the morning so I'm like maybe it was just the timing of that wasn't that good but other than that everything was amazing like I was getting ceviche poke bowls um what else I had hamburger like everything it was really good there so really really good food and what's funny is for how spiritual and traditional bali is there's all these cheeky little like suggestive signs and i'll give you examples there's an ice cream shop that says lick me till i scream like ice cream i'm like okay that's cute if i ever open an ice cream shop i'm doing that the second was i licked it so it's mine and it was like a burger joint i was like okay also cute there's an actual like groom like puppy grooming thing called doggy style (laughs) like I think the Balinese or whoever's opening up uh, businesses there have super cheeky personalities. And then when you hear that it's probably Australians, I'm like, that makes sense. They have really like kind of like cheeky, suggestive senses of humor. But those are all over. So it's kind of cute just to like take pictures of that stuff. Um, Yeah, so that's what we did that night. We just came back to Changu. Oh, and then the next morning I had my tattoo appointment. So I had to wake up and get to my tattoo appointment. My first tattoos when I got there had kind of faded because they were super, super thin lines. I actually posted about them a few months ago when I got them. So you can see what they looked like then, but either I didn't take care of them well or it's because they were such fine lines that they faded a little bit. So I went back and they touched them up for free. So that was really nice. I got those at Baba Yaga. And I would definitely recommend them. They do really good fine line work. But this new place my friend had told me about because she was going to get a tattoo there. And I was like, you know what? I have been wanting another one. So I'm going to get one. So I got a little snake on the inside of my right arm. And the reason for that is two reasons. I saw this artwork by a girl that is hopefully coming on my podcast. I don't really want to spoil it yet. But it was a picture of a snake that said, "Be, be willing to outgrow yourself. And that stuck with me so much because if you listen to my podcast the last six months, you've probably heard the wave of emotions I've been through of realizing that some things aren't what they thought or what I thought. There are some things that are much better than I thought. There are some things that are the same. There's some things that really bother me. There's some things that I love. And I just feel like I'm going through so much that I'm almost like shedding a layer of skin here. So that's what that meant to me is like shedding an old personality, going back to the limiting beliefs conversation. I don't have to keep up, you know, certain versions of myself that I was in the past. Like I'm allowed to outgrow parts of me that got blackout wasted and did Sunday brunch until I died. I'm allowed to outgrow being broke. I'm allowed to outgrow my own limiting beliefs. So that was a big part of that tattoo. And then also in spirituality, the snake usually represents power, fertility, um, ch- like guidance, change, etc. And I was like, I feel like this is perfect, especially after the whole shit that I just went through in Ubud. I was like, this could not be more perfect. Like I turned 29. I've been feeling this shift of emotions, being in Bondi, having to move next week. Like I'm in such a state of transition that that tattoo really meant a lot like this is my life right now. Like I'm shedding an old layer of skin and I'm guiding, being guided to somewhere new. So I got that on the inside of my right elbow. And my mom told me after I got one, I would probably quote unquote, break the seal and get another. And I was like, no, I won't. But I got it. I did get another one. So she was right. Your mom's usually always right. But I always get really little ones. So a lot of people don't really notice mine unless they're sitting with me. They're like, wait, 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 whoa, is that a tattoo on your wrist? I'm like, yep. So I would say the snake one's actually quite larger 
not quite larger. I'm being dramatic. It's just larger than the little baby plane that I have. Like, if you were sitting with me, you would think the plane across was like a pen mark because it's so small. So compared to that, the snake is a little bigger, but it's still small. It's actually so small that basically the tattoo artist said if we got any smaller, it would look like a sperm. So I was like, yeah, I don't want this to look like a sperm. So let's do the size that you recommend, but not like taking up my arm. I want them just cute and dainty. So got that. And if you want to know what a tattoo feels like, it's basically like getting stung by a bee. That is, which is surprising. Like when I heard, oh, a needle's digging in your skin, I'm thinking like, oh, it's going to feel like a ton of shots, right? Like that's just kind of what you think. Oh, it's going to just feel like shots or it's going to feel like someone pricking at you like with a, um, I don't know, like a pin. That's what I thought, like a constant like prick, prick, prick. No, it literally just feels like a bee sting, but it goes away pretty quick. The part that hurts, there's two parts that will make it hurt more. Like, well, actually, I'm, I'm speaking as if I'm an expert. I like the three, I have the smallest tattoos in the world, but what I've noticed is if they keep going over the same spot over and over and over, obviously that hurts. Because if you think about what a needle is doing, it's penetrating your skin at a rapid rate. So if it's penetrating it over and over and over on the same mark, it's going to start hurting. So that hurts. And then if they're doing any type of shading, which luckily I didn't really get that. Like I don't have any tattoos that have tons of shading, but the snake is a little thicker. So that actually did... I could feel it like a little more, that part hurts. And if you get it on any part that's around your bone. So I was gonna get it on my finger and then everyone's like, first of all, fingers fade really quick and it's like the most painful spot cause you're going right on your bone. So think of like a needle just hitting your bone over and over. Apparently it's super painful. So yeah, tattoos, I haven't found it to be as painful as I thought, but I definitely think it helps to either have someone there with you or like bring headphones and just listen to music so you're not distracted by the leather like zzz of the needle because everyone's in the tattoo shop also getting tattoos. So I like put my headphones on and blasted rap music, but this one was pretty quick. Like I think my last ones took so long because they were so, I, well, first of all, I had three of them and they're fine lines. So they like really had to go over them to make sure that they took. And this one, it was the snake, which is a bit thicker. So it was kind of just like they put the stencil on, did trace the snake a few times and we were done. I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, I got a tattoo there and it was about $100. So that was different than the last time I got it. They, was, they paid a flat rate for an hour. So it was like the minimum is an hour and we could fit three small ones in the hour. So that's why I ended up getting three where this one was like per tattoo. Um, so that's why I got only one this time. And I'm like, I'm glad I only got one. I don't, I really like don't want to go overboard and I, like overboard is a subjective word, but for me, I just wanted like small dainty ones. So yeah, got that one and done. What else about Bali? Quick tips, get huge water bottles at the grocery store for like $1 and just keep refilling them. When you see water jugs, do not refill them in the sinks or the showers or anything. Again, it is not a developed country, so they don't have clean water. So that's where you hear the term Bali belly. So I am lucky enough that I have not gotten Bali belly. I may have talked about this on a podcast, but I feel like my stomach is made of steel or iron or something or just a garbage disposal because I have eaten so many things and drank so much water where my friends get like physically ill and I'm totally fine. This has happened on multiple occasions where my friends will get like a steak and be in like the ER over food poisoning and I'm like chilling eating it as leftovers. So I'm like, I don't know what happened with my stomach lining, but 
it was built for like handling anything so for me i actually think last time i did drink out of a sink and everyone's like oh no you're gonna get bolly belly and i didn't but i feel like i'm the exception so i would not test it i have so many friends that have gotten bolly belly and they say what helps is charcoal it kind of just like sucks everything out of you but i definitely recommend those water bottles and but there's jugs everywhere like they know that their water isn't that safe to drink so they'll have water pitchers and jugs at restaurants and you can just keep refilling that water bottle so that's a tip definitely get a sim card i was just trying to use wi-fi all over and it there's just some places that don't have wi-fi or they make you buy something or you're trying to get one of those scooters and you're in the middle of like a remote area and it's just hard to pick up wi-fi so i lived for like maybe two or three days with wi-fi and it was just so annoying i was like i'm getting a sim card so a sim card if your phone is unlocked it's nice because you can just take your old one out pop this one in for the trip take it out and then pop your old one back in so you're good to go like you only have it for the trip so i got one that had like six gigabytes just to last me to get the ubers and the scooters and talk to my friend but that was really it so get a sim card and lastly get out cash early and note that their notes are so big in terms of the value so what i mean is like ten dollars there would be like 10 different notes where you know in america you get one ten dollar bill even in australia you get one ten dollar bill there it's like 10 different notes and then there's coins and there's a coin for like every monetary value like there's a one cent a two cent a 50 cent a a hundred a one like a thousand cent i don't even know what i'm saying now but basically it's one of those things where you're holding a wad of cash and you're like oh my god this is like 500 dollars, and it's like 20 dollars. like i'm not kidding you you like oh my god i have five hundred thousand dollars five hundred thousand dollars there's fifty dollars in australian which is like thirty five dollars american so you're holding all this money and you need to be able to carry it around wisely so have you know like a money holder a money clip or just leave some at the hostel in a safe but do not bring it all out because it's so much it's actually annoying when you have to like whip out 10 bills just to pay for a scooter so it's like you kind of just have to figure out what you need but try to get up as much as you can out early so you avoid all the fees like i ran out of my cash in the middle of it and then when i got paid on monday i took more out and then i ended up getting like a huge atm fee that i was like this doesn't even make sense it was like 15 dollars on top of the exchange rate fee and then that was just for like to last me two more days so i basically spent almost 20 dollars on a fee and then exchange rate places some of them you know rip you off so it's like i would just rather get a ton of cash out early and then try and work it out if you have any left over where you would like have a friend like give it to someone staying there and then pay you back or just like deal with you know whatever the five dollars you have left over but get cash out early and a lot and just be ready to um hold it safely so yeah those are like pretty much my tips for traveling there so i think we covered a lot we covered cafes we covered if you're like an entrepreneur where to go if you have a podcast and you want to record there i gave you a recommendation how to get around food going out transportation little travel tips if i miss anything dm me but i think most importantly if you're gonna go just have such an open mind and spirit like it is so healing it's so fun it's so easy to meet people you'll find backpackers all over especially in Changu. it's like you can go anywhere and just walk up and be like hey like i'm blah 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 let's go out and they'll be like yeah let's go to a beach club so have a good time just remember it's hot as shit bring loose clothing bring money but know that it's cheap 
and respect the culture because they are such a traditional and conventional society that you don't want to disrespect the culture. So don't be an asshole if you go. I hope that was helpful. And if it was, please go rate the um, podcast because that's how I get guests on. That's what helps me show up in the rankings more. And honestly, it's almost a token of appreciation. As you guys know and just listen to, I don't have any ads right now. So I do this podcast completely free. So you can consider that a form of payment. Go rate it, review. If you have any questions, you can DM me at nonexpertopinionpod. That's nonexpertopinionpod on Instagram. My personal one is at Chelsea Reif. And again, going back to the beginning of the episode, I am offering podcast services and coaching. So if you're interested, please also drop me an email at hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com. And you can check out the website, hello. Or actually, no, sorry, www.inmynonexpertopinion.com. Basically, everything is non-expert opinion because that's what I'm doing is providing a lot of non-expert opinions. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will talk next week.